Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's divisional round packed episode, I sit down with Kansas City Chiefs legend Jamal Charles as he discusses this year's squad as well as his glory days in Kansas City. In our Chiefs Wire roundtable, Mitch Carney, Talon Graff, and I break down Super Wildcard Weekend and look ahead to Sunday's matchup against the Browns. Also, we are joined by Browns Wire Managing Editor Jeff Risden as he shares his thoughts on Cleveland's chances on Sunday. But first, we start off, as always, with Chiefs Wire Managing Editor Charles Goldman. Okay, Charles, what was your biggest takeaway from the Browns' victory over the Steelers? How do you feel like it's going to play into the matchup against the Chiefs this Sunday? Well, there haven't been many teams that have the offensive firepower to pace the Chiefs, right? This whole season, it's always been about can you outscore or can you keep up with the Kansas City Chiefs and their explosive offense. I think after watching the Browns and the type of game that they had against the Steelers, you have to think they possibly have the weaponry to do that. Um, Obviously, they had a couple favorable turnovers. And then all of a sudden, they're up 28 points on the Steelers in that first quarter there. I, I don't think, you know, you can expect that same type of thing to happen this week. Um, but but it gives you pause. It gives you some pause and makes you think, well, hey, they got some weapons there. Now, the Steelers offense is like a JV team compared to the Chiefs. So really, I'm wondering, is that Browns defense going to be able to step it up Again, you know, it was already a big thing to step it up against the Steelers when, when you know, they had won that first game and then they rested their starters in Week 17. But I'm wondering, can the Browns' defense step it up again against Kansas City? Remember, their secondary really ranked near the bottom of the league this year. They have some questionable guys out there playing the safety position. They had uh, a, a few guys in there, the cornerback spot uh, throughout the year. And haven't really had a, a solid secondary all season. So how are they going to handle Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins? Then, you know, the other tertiary uh, weapons that, that the Chiefs kind of have after that. Um, and, and even the, the running game, Le'Veon Bell, possibly a healthy Clyde Edwards-Elair. And, and then Patrick Mahomes. So it, it's definitely a different caliber of opponent um, than, than they had that past week uh, with the Steelers. And I think the big thing for the Chiefs heading into this game, Kansas City has a defense that held teams to 21 points or less, I believe nine of their 16 games this season. Um, So over half the season, right? And you need that group to show up against the Browns on Sunday. You need that group that says we're going to be the reason the team wins, not just the reason the team doesn't lose, right? So you need them to to create some pressure against Baker Mayfield. You need them to win at the line of scrimmage. 
And, and you need that secondary to kind of lock down the receivers and, and the options that, that the Browns have. Now, of course, the, the Browns, the offense goes through, through the ground game, right? Um, and the Chiefs haven't been great defending the run for many years now. They haven't been great defending running backs in the passing game either. So um, those are things that, that the defense is going to have to watch out for. Uh, but, you know, I think they're, they're a bit more prepared. You know, they've had time off, and the Chiefs were smart about how they played uh, their bye week, right? They ignored the possibility that they could play the Ravens, who they've already played this season. And they dug straight in on the other three possible opponents that they hadn't played yet. So the Browns, the Colts, and uh, the Tennessee Titans. So they, they have a bit of an early jump on their preparations. And, um, you know, that, that's going to be important here. That's going to be important. Um, and then uh, one thing I'm also looking at, special teams could be a tipping point for this game, right? Cleveland has the worst remaining special teams DVOA of any AFC team. Um, so if the Chiefs can win the field position game and maybe get a turnover or some points on special teams, I mean, that, that'd be uh, massive. That, that could be the difference in this game. So uh, that's something I'm looking at. Um, oh, and, and another thing that, that I forgot to mention, the, the red zone, right? Um, the Chiefs have really struggled this season on both sides of the ball in the red zone, but defensively, they're not stopping anyone in the red zone. And the Browns have a tough running game, which, you know, when you have a good running game, you run the ball in the red zone. And uh, the Chiefs, they're, they're right up uh, the, the last or second to last team, I believe, red zone defense. So you, you want to keep the, the Browns out of the red zone as best you can. Obviously, you don't want them scoring any points, but that, that's not a reality. But they get into the red zone they are a threat to to score six and not be held to three. So that can be a problem. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think that, that you have to take the Browns seriously. Um, you, you can't overlook them uh, in this divisional round game. And uh, they're, they're going to be a tough opponent. It's not going to be an easy, uh, easy out. I know a lot of people, you know, they're thinking, hey, the Browns might be a bit of a, a fakers or they might be riding the high off this last game. But that can also work uh, toward their advantage. You know, being an underdog is always a huge motivator for players uh, throughout the league. We've seen it with the Chiefs before. So I, I think you got to respect them and you uh, have to put, put that respect right in the focus of your game plan if you're the Chiefs. What are your thoughts of Kareem Hunt's career resurgence in Cleveland? So Hunt was never not talented, right? Like it, that literally had nothing to do with why he was released and, and why he's been playing, you know, second fiddle of sorts to, to Nick Chubb now that he's with the Browns. But he was released because he couldn't take personal responsibility for his own heinous actions. And he got caught lying to the organization about it. I think there isn't a person in Kansas City in the building or, or even in the fan base that doesn't want to see him succeed. And they wished it would have played out differently with the Chiefs. They wish that, that he would still be here. You know, had it played out differently, maybe, you know, they're competing for their third Super Bowl title instead of their their first, right? Uh, or their second, excuse me. Um, so I'm I'm not surprised to, to see him having success on the field, not in the slightest. I will say that I am concerned a bit with whether or not he's learned 
after his mistakes, um, after the comments that he made following the wild card game against Pittsburgh. Uh, sure, it could have been a, a heat of the moment thing, but during the locker room celebration, he yelled twice, next week's personal, next week's personal, as if in some way that, you know, he blames the Chiefs for his release. And, you know, from, from someone that wants to see him succeed off the field, that mentality is concerning, right? Because he really has no one to blame for that situation but himself. And, uh, you know, losing out on the opportunity to play in Super Bowl 54 and all that, He, he we've seen him. Uh, you know, kind of, kind of say before that 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 you know hurt him. But again, it it it's not about you know w- what happened with him and the Chiefs, right? It, it's about him taking responsibility for his own actions. So that that concerns me a little bit. But I I think you know as a player, obviously you can't be surprised to see him uh, having success and and being a, a top notch player. And I think that you know they're going to utilize him this week. They can utilize him in the passing game. Uh, they're going to use him as a nice little change of pace to uh, to Nick Chubb. And, you know, he's going to be fired up going against his former team. So uh, the Chiefs kind of have to expect that, hey, you know, just because Nick Chubb's not in the game doesn't mean they're not going to be able to run the ball uh, and, and, you know, do different things um, with, with Hunt, passing game, and whatnot. So they really have to kind of key in on those two guys. The offense really goes through them. Uh, in terms of the, the Cleveland Browns run game, even the passing game somewhat uh, goes through them as well. They got Jarvis Landry out there; he's their top receiver right now. But uh, other than that, you know, really their backs uh, are probably the, the other two best pass catchers on the team. How important will the Arrowhead crowd be this Sunday, considering the Browns played with no fans in attendance last week? You know, I think it will be important, but. Also, your question kind of raises a concern too, right? Browns fans couldn't attend their first playoff game in 18 years. They couldn't attend their first playoff win in 25 years last week against the Steelers. So this game is actually the first game that fans are going to have tickets opened up to them where they can come and see their team play. And these fans are literally ravenous for a chance to watch their team play and perhaps win a playoff game. And that's really reflective in the secondary ticket market right now. I had an article earlier this week um, which kind of went over this. But right now, the average ticket, just to get you in the door, is priced at over $850 and rising. I I think I checked it after I published that article, and it was already over $1,100 for the average ticket. Right? So um, that's more than double. More than double. Ticket IQ says it's more than double the what it costs for any Chiefs playoff tific, ticket since 2010. Since 2010, it didn't even cost that much last year to go uh, to to see the Chiefs play a playoff game at Arrowhead Stadium. So there's only around 17k people allowed inside the stadium. That includes you know staff, players, what have you. So you know the the supply of tickets. It's very limited, and it's clearly not meeting the demand, so that's driving up the price all the way up. So the big concern is that Browns diehards could come to KC and outnumber Chiefs fans at Arrowhead Stadium, Uh, that their excitement for the opportunity to see their team is greater than the excitement of of Chiefs fans who are maybe content to stay home in the middle of the pandemic because they just saw their team win a Super Bowl this past season. So... 
Now, there's at least some positive news, okay? Let's dial it back a little bit. Don't sound the alarms quite away. But the positive news coming from uh, Chiefs team president Mark Donovan, he basically said the allotment of tickets that the team had reserved for season ticket holders was sold through, meaning that none of those tickets were opened up to the general public, which would have happened had they not been sold through. So that it doesn't mean those tickets won't be sold on the secondary marketplace, right? But... What he did say was uh, about 40% of the tickets that were sold went to season ticket holders that hadn't attended a game yet this season. And their data actually suggests those fans will attend the game, that they won't be, uh, you know, resale uh, tickets uh, that, that were purchased. So I, I think that's a good thing. That that gives us some hope that it might at least be an even split between Chiefs fans, Browns fans. But it, it still is a concern. It's a concern, right? It, you have a lot of fans that are super hyped up to see their team. And, you know, maybe some some people in Kansas City who are a little lukewarm on the experience. And the Chiefs have tried to combat that by making the tailgate experience. They added some new perks to that. They have some new, um, some new pod-type tailgate experiences that they've created. Uh, and they've sold through, I believe, six of those so far. I, I believe that's what Donovan said during his press conference. But, again, it, is it enough to kind of bring those fans in? Are the fans excited enough uh, to go and, and kind of see what's going on at Arrowhead Stadium when, you know, they could just simply be content staying at home? So uh, that that's a huge concern, and we'll kind of see what happens there. Uh, hopefully it's not an embarrassing turnout and, and just a ton of Browns fans and making it feel like it's a, a road game. However, you know, if that happens, then that could be a good thing for the Chiefs too because, you know, they, they are undefeated on the road this season. So I, I don't think it's going to affect the team either way, but um, it, it might hurt some egos uh, uh, of the team and of the fan base to see that in Arrowhead Stadium. Are there any injury concerns for the Chiefs heading into the divisional round? Well, there were some guys who were banged up after uh, that Week 16 game against the Falcons. Uh, the good news there, most of those players, they had around 21 days off. or Well, the Chiefs had a few practices in there, but I think the guys that were dinged up, they probably didn't practice, right? So um, there are two injuries that I'm looking at this week. Uh, Clyde edwards Elair. He had the high ankle sprain back in week 15 against the Saints. And then Willie Gay Jr., who had a high ankle sprain recently in week 17 against the Chargers. Uh, where are they at in terms of their recovery? Last we heard on Edwards Elaire, he was ahead of schedule, and that was prior to the bye week. Uh, he was spotted in practice on Wednesday. We don't, oh, as I'm recording this, know his level of participation. I'll know later today after. Uh, I've recorded this and whatnot and, and uh, what, all that. But um, we know that he is trending in the right direction. Andy Reid had some good words to say about how he's attacked the injury and how uh, he, he is looking right now out there at practice. I think he's going to end up playing this week. Uh, Reid would not commit to that yet, but he seems to be trending in that direction. As for Gay, he was not practicing on uh, Wednesday. His status looks doubtful for Sunday, and that's not good news when you're going up against a team that likes to use heavy personnel. He would have seen a lot of snaps in that base 4-3 defense, which means we're probably going to see a lot of Ben Neiman this week, uh, and fans aren't going to be too happy about that because he's just uh, not been a great player during his time uh, here lately. 
The bad news on the injury front, Sammy Watkins was not at practice on Wednesday. He's dealing with a calf injury that popped up when he was dealing with his hamstring injury trying to come back. And uh, he kind of re-aggravated that injury in the, the past uh, few weeks here. And uh, he, he hasn't practiced in a minute, and he's still not practicing. It's just not good news. Watkins seems to take a little bit longer to heal from these soft tissue injuries than some of these other guys. And uh, he he's so, so important to what the Chiefs do on offense, especially in the playoffs, because they need to have guys who can win in that single you know, one-on-one man coverage situations when teams are going to be paying a lot of attention to guys like like Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Sammy Watkins is usually the guy who can get open in those situations, and the Chiefs don't really have anyone else who's been as consistent as Watkins has when it comes to getting open in that regard. So it, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. If they don't have Watkins, that could be just a huge, huge blow to this Chiefs team in a divisional round. And if they advance past the divisional round, uh, it, it's obviously equally as concerning. Uh, but yeah, it, that's just not not what you want to hear to start the practice week. Thankfully, there's still two more days uh, where he could get maybe a limited practice in, something that gives you a little hope that maybe, just maybe he could play. Um, it's a winner-go-home game, though. So if there's even the slightest possibility that he could play, He'll be questionable heading into the game, and uh, and they'll you know try him out beforehand, see if his calf is locking up on him or whatnot. Um, uh, some slightly other good injury news, I guess. Dorian O'Daniel's still practicing. Uh, he's still technically on injured reserve, hasn't been activated from injured reserve. The Chiefs will need to make a, a move uh, to activate him if they want to do so this week. I believe this is the last week on his 21-day period where they can choose to activate him. Otherwise, he is on IR for the remainder of the season. And as always, are there any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? There's plenty out there this week. Uh, A little bit of something for everyone, I should say. If you're looking for preview content on the upcoming matchup with the Browns, we've got plenty of that uh, from what players and coaches are saying to our own analysis. Uh, if you're looking ahead uh, to the offseason, I don't know who really is, but there, there are some people out there like that stuff. Um, the Chiefs signed a quarterback to a reserve future contract. Uh, a pretty good quarterback over there at Washington State, too. Some thought he was the second best quarterback in the country to Joe Burrow last year. Um, and, and, you know, he plays in that air raid style offense. So an interesting prospect for the future for Kansas City. And then they also had, five, uh, excuse me, seven players in for, for visits. They signed two to the practice squad. Five of those players uh, that were in for visits make sense for reserve future signings. They could be signed uh, possibly before <laughs> before this uh, podcast is published. So who knows? We'll see. And uh, we also have some draft content from over the past weekend. And then we'll have some more heading into this weekend, too. As always, we appreciate you guys tuning into the podcast and reading the website. We couldn't do all of this without your support. And uh, you know what we say here at the end, go Chiefs. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire podcast roundtable.
Chiefs Wire Podcast. We are back. It's that time again. It is time for the Chiefs Wire Roundtable postseason edition. I'm here as always with Mitch Cardi, Talon Graff. Guys, how's it going? It's going well, man. Looking forward to the playoff. Uh, you know, finally getting to see the Chiefs in the playoffs and the first that super wild card weekend, man. It was it was fun. There were a lot of good games. Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, I'm, I'm glad playoffs are finally here for the Chiefs. I don't know about you guys, but just watching other teams, it's just like it's night and day from the Chiefs. It's just like these these teams are just nowhere near as fun to watch as watching Patrick Mahomes there every every Sunday. So um, I'm glad it's finally here. That's a, that's a good way to look at it. You know, it's funny because when you watch a game and you realize obviously the Chiefs aren't playing, so there's not that much of a vest, of interest in it. The only interest is possibly uh, who they're going to play, and you, you're kind of doing your own version of scouting. But uh, there were some good matchups. Uh, you know, each game had brought a little something different to the table. Even in the NFC, we saw some uh, interesting things. But let's actually start off with that. Uh, Mitch, even though I know you would prefer to see the Chiefs, was there a game that really stood out to you from uh, Super Wild Card Weekend? Um, just like it. And I'll just talk about the Browns real quick. The Browns really surprised me. I mean, I had them winning that game, but I thought it was going to be kind of close. Um, I don't know if the Steelers are just really, really bad or if the Browns are actually a legit playoff team. I was really impressed with what they did. Um, I think from what we saw and what the Browns were able to do, I think the Chiefs really need to be concerned about them. I know we'll talk about that later, but um, that game just really caught my eye, and I just thought, you know, it was just kind of fun to watch just to see the Browns just go out there and dominate for 60 minutes. Yeah, definitely cool to see the Browns get that monkey off their back. Wasn't that long ago the, you know, the Chiefs were getting their first playoff win in quite a while. So yeah, hats off to the Browns, and and that was definitely a cool moment. But yeah, I, the Colts Bills game, um, a really close game, and I think we all kind of expected it to be close. Um, but yeah, the, the way the Bills, you know, kind of struggled to really put the Colts away, um, you know. Maybe they may have been a little overhyped, you know, coming into the playoffs. But, um, yeah, for me, that game was pretty telling. You know what? For me, it was a tie. If we want to stay in the AFC, I thought that um, that Baltimore-Tennessee game was interesting because we knew these two teams didn't like each other. But uh, they really put it and took it to another level with just the, the actions back and forth, the talking and – the physical play, and obviously uh, Marcus Peters with the uh, interception to pretty much clinch the game and stomping on the middle of the logo. It was, uh, it was, it was good, and it was actually something that was needed for a guy like Lamar Jackson to to prove the people that he is a top tier quarterback and not just a not just a, a running quarterback or a scrambling quarterback that he brings more to the table and he finds ways to win. So, you know, him finally winning a uh, playoff game was a was a big deal. So definitely, uh, I like that. And now, Talon, you know which game I'm going to say next, right? Yeah, I got a gut feeling. <laughs> come on, man. And you can score a touchdown, and apparently slime can come out in the end zone. I don't know what the NFL was trying to prove, but I think they they got their point across because a lot of people seem to enjoy the Nickelodeon presentation of the Saints and Bears. I personally enjoyed it. Um, Everything that I expected to happen did happen. Yes, they had a lot of things that were 100% for kids. They had a, a kid broadcaster, and, you know, she had no idea what was going on, and they kept playing off her. 
you expected that stuff. And also, I expected it to be a hot mic. And yes, we did get someone curse on Nickelodeon. So a little bit of everything. Tell you had any thoughts on it? Yeah, no, it was great for their intention. Like they they absolutely nailed on what they were trying to do, which was reach a younger audience and and present the game in a you know very vague and very broad and very um, you know entry level way and that they absolutely did that it just you know for me it, it took about two minutes i was like yeah this is not for me but no the the way they presented it and everything they did um you know in terms of what they were trying to do i i think they were spot on yeah i only got to watch a little bit of it but i thought it was really cool what they were doing uh, just like what town said it got uh some more of the uh, younger audience interested in it but I was also talking to some people, uh, you know, some of my friends and family that don't watch a lot of football, and they actually really liked it because, they, you know, they have other friends and family that watch the playoffs games. But, like, it kind of really explained what football was, like what, like some of the rules and some of the things that, they, that just didn't make sense to them. So even though it was targeted for younger kids, I think there's a lot of adults that liked it also because it just kind of explained to them more about, like, how football is played because, you know, I think to, like, for us, at least, you know, football comes so easy. Like, we know what everything means and like that. But there's a lot of people who just don't get it because it is a complicated sport. So I think, it, you know, it really did a, it did a really good job just explaining things for everybody of all ages also. Yeah, I definitely agree. That was a response I saw on social media. Um, a lot of people that are just not typically football fans that just don't understand the excitement of it or even the rules, like you were saying. They had young Sheldon popping up and explaining penalties every time it happened. So – uh, I thought it was a good job. I, I just wish they don't do it in the playoffs again. Do that for the preseason if there is a preseason again. Like, that's that's the time to have Nickelodeon broadcast games. That's that's just my opinion. But uh, it, it happened. And now we're on to the divisional round. Now we can officially talk about it. Chiefs and Browns, there's so many different storylines here. But let's go to one of the biggest ones, and that's the return of Kareem Hunt. And he's already been talking about, you know, not being – uh, taking this very personal, I should say, this upcoming matchup. Talon, I'm curious for your thoughts. Uh, is Should the Chiefs even care about Kareem Hunt just talking to the media, saying that he's taking this personal and, and this is a big matchup for him on, on that type of level? No. The Chiefs should not give it a second thought. Let let him talk. Let him get his airtime. Let him – whatever. You know, we, we saw the dude – you know, everybody saw, right? Like what, you know, what unfolded on, on, in that traffic stop. And, and, and even before that, obviously with the kick and the video and the lying to the organization and then getting cut and man, it's whatever, you know, everybody knows the truth and everybody knows, you know, what, what really went down and, and <laughs> I don't want to, you know, make it a label here, but everybody knows who the villain is in the, in the story, but let him have whatever motivation he needs because they're, you know, the Browns are on a, on a high, high, high note right now. They just beat a division rival. They just got their first playoff win in a long time. They're going to be hyped. They're going to be feeling kind of untouchable. Um, and they're, but they're rolling into a bus. All they're rolling into the best team in football and, um, you know, let them have their moment. Cause it's, it's going to come to a screech and halt. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, it's in the past. The Chiefs made the right decision letting him go, you know, just because he lied to the organization. And, you know, this wasn't a good luck keeping him on the team. Um, you know, if he wants to say it's a personal to him, um, I don't think they're going to look too into that. I think it's just more about him playing it, you know, 
his former team, and so of course he wants to play well, but I don't think he necessarily has a ton of bad blood for the Chiefs. I mean, I might be completely wrong. You know, maybe he'll say something this week where he's just like, like yeah, I think I'd still deserve to be on that team for whatever reason, but um, you know, I don't think the Chiefs are going to look too much into what he said there. I think, you know, he just came off a big win, and and he just said some things that he probably shouldn't have said, but I don't think they're look, they'll look too much into it. I agree with that. I mean, you need something that's going to get yourself motivated. Uh, we all know the facts. We all know everything that did happen in regards to his situation and his tenure with the Chiefs. And he was a productive running back, and he kind of, you know, threw it away. And that's something that he has to live with. But if he wants to use it for motivation, let him use it for motivation. Every, everybody finds something, especially for a big playoff game like that. When you're coming in as an underdog, you need something to come with. So I see where he's coming from from that point of view. Now let's actually take a look at the Browns and the way they pretty much jumped all over the Steelers. And, and like you said earlier, Mitch, how surprising it was. What exactly – was this more about the Steelers being bad or the Browns being good? That's that's the hard part to take away from that game. And, Mitch, you just want to elaborate a little more on that? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, definitely their first quarter, it was the Steelers just being more bad than it was the Browns being good. I mean, like the first play of the game, you know, the snap goes all over, over Big Ben's head and it's a Browns touchdown. And then after that, it's just kind of downhill. But if you look at what the Browns did, you know, you can still be, be really impressed. I mean, they ran the ball very well. Baker Mayfield was extremely proficient. I think he had, he had three touchdowns, and he just looked really good. It kind of looked like they just kind of found their groove in the offense against the Steelers' defense. That's actually pretty good. Um, so, you know, I was really impressed with what the Browns did, and I think the Chiefs definitely have to take them seriously, which I'm sure they will. But um, if I had to, like, say if it was more Browns being good or Steelers being bad, I'm going to say Steelers being bad just because that first quarter was, was god-awful and, you know, the Browns were just were able to capitalize off of that. But I think the Browns showed enough just to where, you know, Chiefs fans should be a little concerned, but just not but not much. Yeah, I think it was just the early mistakes uh, and the multiple turnovers by Big Ben. Um that was really the deciding factor in that game. And the Browns were able to, to capitalize on that and, um, you know, put up a lot of points. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to say it was more the Steelers, you know, and, and, and their downfalls. Um, man, I, I just feel like that Steelers team ever since Bud Dupree got hurt, that defense really hadn't been the same. And, uh, and Big Ben, we all kind of knew at some point, you know, when was this, you know, run going to end and uh you know it obviously ended here recently but you know they they had they were, they had a good season uh you know 11 and 0 and then you know obviously the injuries and you know whatever facing you know tougher competi- competition kind of derailed them but yeah the browns are a good team um and they got a really good running game a really good offensive line so don't get me wrong it's not like the pittsburgh steelers handed the game to the browns like the browns had to fight for that and uh um, it was a hard-fought game. So, yeah, they're going to give a hard-fought um, competition to the Chiefs. It's just I just don't think they really have what it takes to take them down. It will definitely be uh, interesting to see how they do matchups. And there's two players in particular that I do want to point out when you talk about the Browns. The uh, first person that we're going to break down is uh, Baker Mayfield. We've seen some improvements in terms of his game over, i say, the last couple of weeks. And even more so, in my opinion, after the injury to Odell Beckham. It just seemed like he seemed a little more comfortable. He was able to spread the ball around a little bit more. 
what do you think has changed in Baker Mayfield for him to be so effective as opposed to how he was last season? Tell him what are your thoughts. Uh, I think it's Coach Stefanski. Uh, when you got a guy, a true leader at the helm, and you know where the buck stops, it, it it's a trickle-down effect. I mean, that can change – uh, you know, a quarterback's mindset. And when you have that mindset of, you know, okay, this is what we're doing. There's a clear path and we know where we're going. You know, their confidence gets boosted. That's when they they start to deal with their teammates because everybody's on the same page and they know where the end goal is. So, yeah, for me, I think just getting the right leadership finally in place because Baker's been a good he, – he was, he was the right pick for that number one overall spot. Uh, you know, he's the right guy for that franchise and he just needed the right leadership and now that they have it, I mean, you see, you see it on the field. Yeah, and, and I totally agree. I think you know the Browns know what they're doing. They're using Baker right. Um, you know, they're they're really leaning on that running game. Like you know, you got Cream Hunt and Nick Chubb, who are two of yeah, probably two of the best running backs in the league. Like they're they're up there. Um, you know, so they're not asking Baker to do too much. They're just asking him to make plays when plays need to be made, and he's you know he's delivering just because you know he's got a good coach now and. Um, I can really see him progressing to be being, you know, maybe a top five or seven quarterback in the league if he's able to keep this up. I definitely agree. And I, I like the love what I saw from um, Mayfield so far. Uh, I, you know what? I got to throw it out there. He has the best commercials in football or maybe even out there now. Uh, his commercials are hilarious. Just want to throw it out there, a little extra for him. Uh, the other player that I want to discuss is uh, Miles Garrett and what he brings to that defense and how he could probably be a force because the Chiefs offensive line has been a little shaky the last couple of weeks. Mitch, what are your thoughts on Miles Garrett? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little nervous about that. You know, him and that rest of that Browns defensive line, I feel like can really give the Chiefs some problems, especially if uh, the Chiefs don't really – I know I know Chiefs probably aren't going to have Mitchell Schwartz, but I know they just, a lot of those players have been battling through injuries. So hopefully everybody's able to come back and ready to go. Um, but I mean, they have a they have the potential to really wreck the Chiefs' game plan if we can't stop them. So hopefully, uh, you know, these two weeks of rest really help that way. Um, they'll be ready to go. Yeah, we've seen what these elite pass rushers have done to the Chiefs. You know, this season. You know, Joey Bosa early on, and then more recently, Trey Hendrickson, Cameron Jordan. You know, the Chiefs have struggled with these edge rushers, uh, and Miles Garrett's arguably the best the best one out there. So, yeah, it's uh, it's something they have to take care of. It's something they have to neutralize and, and have the correct game plan for because if not, yeah, it's it's going to, like Mitch said, throw a wrench into a whole lot of stuff. Uh, and, and Miles Garrett's one of those guys that he has the ability to change a game uh, from his defensive end spot. I agree. He's definitely one of the top guys out there in terms of rushing the quarterback. And, you know, he, he just you, he's the type of guy you almost have to double whenever you see him. And that's one of the biggest strengths of that Browns defense is that they, they push up on that line very well. So now when I look back, when, when I go to the uh, Chiefs side of the ball, the question mark that I have right now is the running back situation. We all know Clyde Edwards-Alaire with the injury. You got Le'Veon Bell, who's got a little more comfortable with the offense. Do you guys feel good about where the Chiefs are with the running back? Will this running game really, uh, really, really show some more strength out there? I'll start with you on this one, Mitch. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I have confidence with the running backs we have, even if we're without Clyde. I mean, I'm sure we're not going to have him, but 
Um, I'm pretty confident in Le'Veon Bell and Darrell Williams and maybe even Darwin Thompson. I mean, like, I think they've all shown enough this season as a group that uh, they can get the job done. I mean, like, this game is going to be about Patrick Mahomes, you know, you know, finding Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and our, and our receivers. Um, but, like, you know, the Chiefs aren't going to have to run the ball. I mean, that's just part of football. We're going to have to run the ball. And I think they've shown enough that where they can get the job done. I think the biggest thing is if our offensive line is going to be able to make holes and, you know, give them gaps to run through. Um, you know, I think that's going to be the biggest thing. But, like, do I have confidence in our running backs? Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I I have faith in the guys that are there. Uh, you know, having Clyde in there obviously helps. But, yeah, I definitely uh, have a lot of faith in those guys to carry the rock and, uh, and to carry that load. Um, but, yeah, to answer your question, man, um, and to kind of piggyback off of what Mitch was saying, with the offensive line situation, yeah, it all depends on them. And, and the running game, with the Chiefs have the luxury with the offense that they have, that the running game just has to make plays when they need to make plays. You know, they don't have to be relied on the entire game. They don't have to carry the offense. They don't have to, you know, be the driving force to put up points. They just have to be, you know, make sure you make the plays when you're in those moments. Like, they, they're few and far between, but when they're there, you have to make them. So, uh, I, I think we have the guys – you know, and their abilities to do that. And, and uh, that'll get the Chiefs past the Browns. That's definitely what they're hoping for with that situation. Now, obviously, because of the running game has been in and out throughout the season, you have Patrick Mahomes in regards to what he's going to be bringing to the game. Now, what I worry about with Mahomes is throwing the ball too much. Yes, it's great to see, but I don't know how you guys feel about this, but Mahomes throwing the ball 40 times a game probably isn't the best situation, and especially when you're going against a great pass rush with the Browns. What do you feel like Eric Bieniemy and Andy Reid are going to bring to the offense in order to mix things up? And, uh, Talon, I'm going to start with you on this one. I think they're going to try to get the ball out of Mahomes' hands as fast as possible. They're going to, you know, look at screens uh, to backs and receivers, Look, and you're going to get Travis Kelsey involved. You're going to do quick reps. You're going to get stuff, like I said, to get the ball out of the hands and and really help out your offensive line and try to neutralize Miles Garrett as quickly as possible. So um, that's what I'm looking for. I think that's going to be the game plan, just quick hitters and and uh, and really trying to get guys out in space. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm fine with Mahomes throwing the ball. I'd rather the game be in his in his hands rather than one of our running backs. Um, so like I, you know, I think those quick passes is probably probably the best routes, but, you know, I have enough trust that whatever Andy Reid, Eric Deany, and Patrick Williams uh, yeah, does, that will be enough to get the job done. I mean, those guys are three of the best, you know, people in their, you know, in their profession. Andy Reid's one of the top head coaches. Eric Deany should be a head coach, and Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. So whatever they decide to do, I think that will be enough. Um, but I would just hate for them to run the ball more just because, you know, they're afraid of that pass rush. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is one of the best players in the NFL, so I think the game should be definitely in his hands. Well, I could definitely see that, and obviously Patrick Mahomes being who he is, it's, it's going to get all the attention regardless. Now, heading into this divisional playoff game, Chiefs have been here before in regards to hosting hosting a game like this. What do, what do you feel like the team has running through their minds, knowing that they have a home game at Arrowhead Stadium, Yes, there's going to be fans there, of course, but you don't want to fall behind like you did the like you did last season in regards to uh, getting off to a hot start. 
do you feel like it will be any type of difference for this Browns team as well since they're they're playing for the first time with fans? They didn't play um, last week's game with last week's game at Pittsburgh with fans. Do you feel like it's going to have any type of like effect on them at all? Uh, Mitchell, we'll start with you on this. Um, I think it will a little bit. I mean, I don't know how much. I mean, I mean, it's a playoff game. Both of these teams are going to be pretty hot. They're going to be ready to go. Um, you know, I think the Chiefs, Chiefs crowd is still pretty good, even with limited capacity. But um, I think both of, both of these teams are going to be ready to go. I don't know if it will affect the Browns too much. Um, and also just talking about the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs know what's, what it takes. I mean, they were here last year. They were here two years ago. So they know what it takes, and they, they, they know the type of situation they're in. So I think this team will be prepared. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Browns react to, you know, playing with actual fans and the fans in the stands, but just to me personally, I don't think it, it affects it too much. Yeah, I, I think, you know, fans are always going to have somewhat of an effect on the game uh, and being on the road and, and the travel involved in that. It, and, and yes, that, that would affect them in some way, but it's no, you know, now it's the playoffs. Now it's winter go home. Now it's, it's the atmosphere surrounding all that. You know, how, how does this team – handle that they, they handled it pretty well last week right going on the road to Pittsburgh uh, but they know Pittsburgh they're familiar with Pittsburgh they they just played them like a week ago and then obviously they played them early on uh, you know this is the third time this you know, the Chiefs are not the Steelers this is not Pittsburgh this is Kansas this is a whole new atmosphere um, see I, I do think that the Browns will be affected a little bit because this is new to new to everybody right that they're coming into the kingdom you know, uh, and the Chiefs are literally sitting on the throne, and 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 for the Browns' miracle season to continue, they have to slay the king. And I just don't see that happening. I think the moment's too big for for the Browns. I don't think they're quite there yet. The Chiefs are literally at their peak, and the Browns are just starting that upswing, and they're they're riding high, but it's 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 not going to happen. It's it's just simply not. I do think it's a big deal to an extent, the fact that the Browns played in Pittsburgh without any fans, and Pittsburgh's fan base, we don't have to, you know, really explain who they are, the whole terrible towel. It's a totally different experience, and going now into Arrowhead Stadium with some type of fan base is going to feel like a real road game. It's going to feel like they have to battle another element in a sense. So I think it does matter, and it is a factor, and it's going to always work to the Chiefs' Chiefs, uh, advantage when you have that type of situation. All right, guys, so now we have to break down who is going to be the X factor for the Chiefs in this game. Uh, Talon, I'm going to start with you on this one. Man, it's it's got to be that linebacking crew, right? Um, you know, whoever the starters are, you got to be prepared for that running game. You have to be prepared for fresh legs because uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you know, they, they, they're pretty much a lot of the times 50-50. So you really have to be prepared for uh, a new guy coming in. And I just hope that, that our linebacking crew is uh, able to step up and really withhold that, that running game. I'm going to go with Daniel Sorensen. I mean, like this is – this whenever I think about this game, I just think this is a perfect game for him. I mean, the Cleveland Browns are a running team, so the Chiefs are probably going to bring him up to be more of that box safety type of player. And then – you know, Baker Mayfield's not the type of guy I think that throws the ball, you know, 20, 30 yards down the field. So he definitely should be playing in the flats a lot. So I think this could be a really good game by him. And, you know, I think he can take advantage of that. So I'm going to go with Daniel Sorensen. 
Always a good choice. Daniel Sorensen, Dirty Dan. Well, you know what? I have to throw out a guy, a guy that I haven't said in a while, and I feel like we've all kind of forgotten a bit, but McCall Hardman, you know, I just think he's the type of player that you always kind of expect him to have that, or you kind of hope that he's going to have that huge breakout game like we always talk about. And I feel like since no one's going to really be talking about him as much as they're going to be talking about Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and I'm just thinking about the Browns' mindset, this would be a nice game for McCole Hardman to really break out on a national audience and and uh, really show people that he is ready for that next step as a, a top-tier wide receiver in this league. I'm just throwing it out there. Once again, it could be just another hopeful wish, but uh, I feel like McCole Hardman, he needs a big game. And this would be a, a great situation at home to uh, pull it off. All right, guys. Now it's time, as always, to talk uh, predictions. Who's going to win and by how much? Give us a score. Uh, Mitch, what do you, who do you like here? Of course, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to come out hot. I don't think it's going to be like last year where they have a, a slow start to the game. I mean, they're not going to make sure that doesn't happen again. Um, you know, and I do think the Browns are going to give him some problems, but I think the Chiefs win comfortably 31 to 20. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Chiefs here. Uh, the Browns are a good team, so I do think they get some points on the board, but the Chiefs are just too much. I don't think the Browns can can keep up. Uh, so I'm going to go in the end, Chiefs 34, Browns 24. No, those are both very good scores. I have the Chiefs probably – I think they're going to they're gonna win this one running away. I got them going 35 to 10. I feel like the defense is going to step up, and you're going to see some big plays made in the secondary. So Tyran Matthews is going to have a big game. Uh, Baker Mayfield is going to force some things, uh, especially if the, uh, if the Chiefs' uh, front four really takes care of the running game. And I, w- I would prefer to see Baker Mayfield having to throw the ball a lot more than he, he wants to, you know, because the running game is so important to the Browns. If you could force Baker Mayfield to have to beat you, and then I think the Chiefs are in really good shape. So it's that is definitely uh, those are definitely the options. So guys, I gotta ask before we go, where are you gonna be for this game? Is it is there a special setup or a special mindset or anything in terms of uh, this playoff game? Mitch, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so last year, it just kind of worked out like this. Uh, we ate Subway before every game, so we're going to be having Subway, and then we're just going to be chilling out in my apartment. Um, I'll probably just be, uh, be watching it with some friends here, just hoping that the Chiefs win. Uh, you know, it's never – I'll probably be pretty upset. We'll probably be a pretty uh, angry crew if the Chiefs lose, but it should be a good time. Hopefully, the Chiefs come out with Yeah, I'm really trying my hardest to go into this season – different than I have before. I want to go in confident. I want to like not, you know, even if we get down at, at halftime or something, stay cool, stay calm, stay collected and have faith in this team. Cause I, I didn't last year. I'm going to be honest that that Houston game, when they got down early, I, you know, I, I, I went back into the shell that, you know, oh, here we go again. Right. Like I don't want to do that. I, I want to have faith in this team. So I'm, you know, that's the only thing I'm going to do different, but everything else is going to be the same. I'm going to be kicked back in my recliner, some snacks, um, you know, maybe one or two other people, but um, definitely just a, a low-key thing. I like that. You, you got to have the snacks. You know, like, I appreciate that. Especially, Mitch, you said that your tradition is Subway. I, I'm i sorry, but I can't help but ask, what from Subway exactly will you be getting? 
this is a footlong chicken teriyaki uh, with, uh, with some vegetables, provo cheese. Um, I don't know why, like, we did Subway last year. It just kind of happened. And so, like, it, will, it was that first Texans game. And so we were just like, okay, well, we got to go Subway every week. And they just kept winning. So uh, we're going to keep that tradition going this year for playoffs. We're just going to get some Subway, which is just super random. I'm not, we're not even really big Subway fans, but that's just kind of what happened. Kind of just what happened. I'm going to make sure to tweet Subway all of this right here so that they know that you are using Subway as the good luck charm for the Chiefs this year again. So that's, that's some good stuff, Mitch. <laughs> hey, if they keep winning, we're just going to keep going Subway. So let's keep it going. I smell a commercial. Hey, hey look, if they win it again, man, you get a commercial out of it. This will be the best graduation present you ever gave yourself. I'm just saying, man, that's a, that's a good way to go. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. All right, well, however you guys out there listening or watching or watching the big game, make sure to tweet us at the Chiefs Wire and let us know what you think. Um, we're going to be active on social media as well, so make sure you're following us. And uh, it's going to be a big game. So, as always, for Mitch Cardi, Talent Graph, I'm Ed Easton Jr. Go Chiefs. It's going to be a big game. Hey, Jeff, thanks for taking the time to speak with me today. What has been the most significant change in Baker Mayfield from last year to this season? Uh, I think the most significant change in Baker Mayfield from last year to this year has been Kevin Stefanski's presence as the head coach. Uh, he has tailored the offense around what Baker does well, things like rolling out, bootlegs, uh, rolling to his left, having multiple options at multiple layers of the field. Uh, the offense that we, he was in in 2019 was much more... Uh, it just didn't fit him very well. That asked him to stand back, do straight seven seven step drops, you know, throwing the ball to to one of two targets uh, on each play. He didn't necessarily have the options. Uh, the offensive line has also been better. That's been a big factor. Uh, getting Jack Conklin as the the All Pro right tackle, uh, getting him as a free agent was huge. Jedrick Wills has been good uh, as a rookie left tackle. Uh, you're not seeing Baker seeing the ghosts that he did in 2019, where he was you know falling off of throws creating pressure for himself that wasn't there. So he's, he's done a much better job at doing that. And that, that has definitely shown, you know, he, he's also, he's been more accurate. I think he trusts his arm strength a little bit better. And because most of the, the same receivers are back, he seems to trust the receiving core a little bit more than he did last year too. Are you surprised by a team's effectiveness without Odell Beckham Jr.? Moving on without Odell Beckham was something that I think, I think it was really important to the team, honestly. Uh, it, it was something that I think Baker needed to do. He did get better after Odell Beckham left um, with the injury, the unfortunate injury. Uh, and, and I think one of the reasons is that, that there's this, and I don't think it's intentional, by the way. I think it's one of those things where you're like, oh, my God, I've got Odell Beckham over there. I should probably get him the ball, you know, seven to eight times a game. And, you know, if it's halftime and he's seen two targets, it's like, oh, okay, maybe he does need to get the ball more because he is a special talent. And they don't beat the Cowboys without Odell Beckham going off. You know, he was very important in that game. He was he was really, really good in a handful of games before he, he got injured, unfortunately. Uh, so it's it's not necessarily surprising that they're, they're effective without him. Um, it was more surprising that they weren't effective with him, if that makes any sense. What do you believe is the key to slowing down the Chiefs' offense? Oh boy, slowing down the Chiefs' offense—that's uh, that's a tough one. Uh, I I think the goal is 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 to try to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes with four. 
uh, not bringing the blitz because if the blitz doesn't get home against Mahomes, as you well know, uh, it, it doesn't go well for the defense. Uh, being able to contain him, uh, I think playing playing a lot of zone, having uh, your linebackers active in the zone and capable of either going forward and, and stopping, you know, like a, a swing pass or an outlet pass, uh, or Mahomes himself taking off. I think I think that's the biggest key to, to what the defense can do. They don't have the ability, um, even getting Denzel Ward back, um, you know, this week as the top corner. They just don't have the horses to turn and run with with the Tyreek Hills and even the the, the Travis Kelseys of the world. So. You know, I I think playing it fairly straight up and getting the getting the tackle right after the catch that's something that they did very well against Pittsburgh and all of the dynamic weapons that the Steelers had was coming up and making the sure tackle right away uh, and uh, you know getting getting a couple turnovers would be would be very nice too that's something that they did, they did very well against Pittsburgh they had not been doing that at all uh, before that they had just three takeaways in their prior four games so. Uh, if that if that carries over, they've definitely got a chance. But uh, you know, Mahomes, uh, you're you're not going to get any disrespect for me on what he and that offense can do. Uh, it's going to be a big challenge for the the defensive linemen, specifically guys like Sheldon Richardson, Miles Garrett, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, to really step up and make some plays. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be a long afternoon. And are you buying into Kareem Hunt's statement about making Sunday's matchup personal? So Kareem Hunt has done his best to try and distance himself from the Chiefs, and I think the Chiefs have probably done the same thing. It has really been a non-issue in Cleveland. Uh, it's something that you know was dealt with his his departure from Kansas City and the unfortunate incident. It's not even unfortunate. It's a bad. It is a bad incident um, from the hotel uh, in Cleveland, which is his hometown. Um, it's something that, that most of us have put to bed, and I think he's tried to keep it that way. So uh, I, yes, there will be some revenge factor, I think, um, and and I, I just knowing Kareem a little bit, uh, I, I think he's probably a, a good idea of of you know I think he's going to be fine seeing his old teammates, and I don't think there's going to be any you know I, I think it's just going to be one of those deals where um, it's like okay you know it's going to get discussed as a storyline. Um, we just went through this in Cleveland with the Miles Garrett going back and and meeting Mason Rudolph. Um, they made a little bit of peace. They they tapped hands after the game uh, in Week 17. I think that's that's sort of the the prism through which Kareem Hunt is looking at this, and I think that's probably going to carry over. Who is the biggest X factor for the Browns to pull off the upset? X factor for the Browns to pull off the upset. Wow, this is uh, so the, they one of the things that we talked about last week going into the Pittsburgh game was was they needed some random player to have the game of his life to step up and really make a play that you're not expecting. And they got two of them. They got Michael Dunn, who started at left guard in place of Joel Batonio, who was out with COVID. Um, he was phenomenal. He pitched a shutout against Cam Hayward. Um, and then uh, Porter Gustin uh, is filling in for the injured Olivier Vernon. Vernon was the Browns' best defensive player in the last eight games of the year. He had eight sacks, was really, really active. Um, once Miles Garrett um, went out with COVID and then came back, and he hasn't quite been the same, um, Vernon really carried that. Uh, Gustin picked off a pass last week. He got his hands on another one, played really w- really well at setting the edge on the defense, uh, on the line. Uh, he can do that. Uh, it's something that I think he can do when, when you try to do like a stretch run or a, a jet sweep or something like that. Um, th- those are the type of things that you need to be effective. So they need somebody to do that this week. Uh, a guy, one of the good candidates is a guy like like Malcolm Smith, the the former Super Bowl MVP, uh, who plays linebacker. He doesn't play it all that well very often for Cleveland, but he's he does have some coverage skills. He can make the occasional play. So they need a guy like that to step up. Uh, a guy like um, 
uh, David Njoku, uh, who has been uh, had a star-crossed career, I, be- I guess is the best way to say it in Cleveland. He's a guy that is a physical mismatch. Um, he is too fast for linebackers. He is too big for safeties. He has some chemistry with Baker Mayfield. He's turned into a very good blocker. It, it would be a great time for him to come up and make a big play like that. And the other one, special teams. Browns special teams have been a little bit shaky all year. Last week they were phenomenal. Got great punting from Jamie Gillen. Cody Parkey was perfect on his kicks. The kick coverage, the punt coverage, it was all there, all for that. Uh, if that happens again, that that that's a big factor. You know, not having penalties on special teams. Those are the type of things that the Browns are going to need to do to uh, to beat the Chiefs. It won't be easy, but th- they've got a shot at doing it. Jeff, thanks again for stopping by and speaking with me today. Let's hope for a great game on Sunday. Thank you for taking the time to uh, speak with us. And um, obviously, we're the Chiefs Wires, so you know it's an, it's an honor to have you, such a Chiefs legend, to uh, share some of your experiences heading into uh, another postseason. I appreciate it, man. Uh, first, I just want to ask, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your partnership with Crown Royal this season? Yeah, this uh, football season, I team up with Crown Royal to make sure wherever, wherever you're watching the game at, drink responsible and stay safe. Uh, don't run game day for family and friends. Sounds good. Sounds good. Now, I have to ask you, um, obviously, this season has been, it's been a good one for the Chiefs. How do you feel about the team heading into heading into the first playoff game against the Browns this Sunday? Uh, um, I mean, uh, I'm ready to, to get it on. I'm ready to, uh, to I'm looking forward to to watching the, the Chiefs and the Browns this week, uh, seeing Kareem come back home and trying to try to, try to take vengeance against his former team. And uh, I want to see what Baker Mayfield going to do against the uh, defense. And uh, I want to see Pat. And I can't wait to see Pat on the field and see Travis and Tyreek Hill and all the great weapons they have on offense. Uh, it's going to be interesting. As long as they don't start off like last week, they'd like to still start off with the Browns. I know we have a great chance of moving uh, to the next round. And uh, obviously speaking of uh, players on the team now, um, rookie running back Clyde Edwards-Alaire, as you know, he's actually wearing your old number, number 25. What are your thoughts on uh, him this season for his rookie campaign? I mean, he's having a great year this far, man. Um, um, he's represented the number really well. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, he can play off contact. He always out after the contact is up there with Derrick Henry. Uh, uh, if he's just healthy, come back healthy, uh, I know that the Chiefs definitely will be successful and, and it probably won't even make it a game if he come back all right from his injury that he had against the Saints. And I know that uh, they opened the game up for him, uh, the, the passing game up for Pat. I actually want to ask from uh, some of your experiences, um, how was it going into your first uh, playoff matchup? Uh it was uh, fun. You know, I played against Baltimore in my first, uh, my first game uh, in the playoff. I mean, most people understand making it to the playoff game, you, you get a, it's a different feeling, a different level, different emotional. Uh, I was very upset we lost against Baltimore, and it was a, a, it was a, it was a tough team of playing against Ray Lewis, man, and, and we basically we had Matt Castle, and it was just hard, <laughs> hard uh, trying to put a game plan. Uh, but it, we could have easily won the game. 
definitely hear you on that. And um, I'm actually interested in uh, what was running through your mind um, when you had broke the Chiefs record for uh, rushing yards um, all time. What was uh, running through your mind during that moment back in 2014? Oh, man, I was just excited to do it. I was excited to maybe get over the herd to, to be the lead rusher in franchise history. Um, that was one of the uh, milestones that I wanted to accomplish, uh, and I did it. It was excited. Uh, I'm still happy that I am this leader, still uh, the chief leading rusher right now today. But I, I don't know how long it stands there. But I'm just excited to be uh, up there on the list. You played under Andy Reid as a head coach. Can you describe uh, just what makes his offense so unique and his system? I mean, because Andy Reid know how to get the balls in his best players' hands, and you know, also put them in space. And also how to uh, able to put them in space, make people miss, and you just got to do the rest. Because uh, Reed is a, a, a great caller, a, a, a play caller, and uh, got B enemy, uh, Coach Eric B enemy that's helping him out as well. That he was there when I was there as well. Uh, that detail, detail. He put everything in detail where it kind of helped you even more. So Coach Reed kind of put it in detail because because B enemy help you out even more where you can be successful. You've played with uh, quite arguably two of the well, two of the best tight ends in franchise history, and quite arguably in NFL history with Tony Gonzalez and obviously Travis Kelsey, who's playing now. Um, were there any similarities in terms of the way they prepared for games? Uh, when I was uh, my first year, when I played with Tony, man, he was uh, a guy that you know, what I'm saying that every time he went on the practice field, he used to run his own routes, routes while the defense was on play. I was like, what are you doing? And he just be over there running routes, catching a lot of uh, passes uh, throughout the whole entire practice. And and I know uh, playing with, with Tony, uh, Kels, he used to do that as well at a young age. Kels started at a young age where he used to go and catch like 100 balls, so 100 balls a day, but with the jug machine. And, and I saw that coming along with Kels. He's going to be a great player. He was already, uh, his rookie year, he was already doing spectacular stuff. And I saw it, uh, able to play with him like in years I was there before I left that I knew uh, Travis, he was going to be a, 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 he was a, he was a great route runner. So I already knew he was going to be a, a, one of the best tights in the league today. Okay, Jamal. And I have one more question for you. Um, actually, this is more about heading into uh, the first playoff game of the year. And you're such a popular person in regards to Arrowhead Stadium. What is it that, um, that you feel like the uh, the players should take from the crowd, even though it is a, a smaller crowd than usual, heading into a big playoff game in terms of energy? Uh, I just say, man, take take the energy that you get from the crowd. Uh, I know it's, it's not the same as uh, we when uh, we experienced. I know they experienced last year from the playoff, and uh, but you know what I'm saying. Be thankful what you have. That's how I look at it. Be thankful that you have fans, because most people. Didn't, didn't have stands throughout the whole entire season, so you did. So make those fans happy and and show off for them because, you know, I hope we be back to normal next year where we can have a, a, a sold-out stadium. But hopefully uh, we got to just do what we have now. We're still in the pandemic. Definitely. Uh, Jamal, thanks again for taking the time, man. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it.
for everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time. Mm-hmm.